Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We sit around the table and encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and ministries of MMBC. Around the table today, our usual hosts, Tim Michelangeli, Matt Bates, Scott Slater, and I'm Spencer Snow, the discipleship pastor here at the church. Um, today, we're continuing our series talking about uh, progressive Christianity. We've been um, progressing through this, and um, <laughs> I might. We caught it. Yeah. Last, Perfect. Yeah. So, we're talking uh, about progressive Christianity uh, uh, this week again. Uh, my son hates it whenever I do jokes like that. Why? Last night, he just thinks they're so corny. We were watching Lord of the Rings last night, and they're climbing the mountain. Mm. And I said, their, their relationship's gotten a little rocky. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, Daddy. Which one? Which son? Ryle. Ryle. He hates yeah. it. Oh. But he tries to do it, too. He's going to be just like you. You know, he tries to do it, too. So. He's going to do it. <laughs> so, Okay, Scott, you want to lead us in this discussion today? Sure. Yeah. So we're continuing in our uh, series on progressive Christianity, and we are at commandment number eight. Which, uh, very simply put, is peacemaking is more important than power. So again, it requires a little bit of explanation here, but what's really in view is the idea that it's really a critique and a um, an accusation that those in authority within churches are only interested in maintaining their own power. Talking about pastors, um, and I guess depending on your denomination, like bishops and other things like that. And so people just seem to be interested in maintaining their own power as opposed to actually helping and serving people that are in their church. Um, And so the way I've referenced this book, The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity by Michael Kruger, the way that he puts this when he examines it is that What is happening here is that they're identifying the right problem, but they're proposing the wrong solution in that is it the case that some pastors and of some churches have abused their power and have used their position of of spiritual authority in people's lives to lead them astray and to cause harm? Yes, it is. But does that mean that we automatically throw out the idea that pastors have any kind of authority Uh, in the life of the church. So, I mean, have you guys heard of examples of this happening in churches or maybe even seen examples of this happening where a pastor exerts a kind of authority um, that is not granted or uh, exerts it in a way that's not helpful for people? You didn't even give me like two seconds. (laughs) It's the only way I can sneak it in. (laughs) We have to use the sound effects. It's it's helpful. Um, I mean, I think, you know, you see these all, I think, um, every so often. Uh, Sad to say, um, they pop up on a regular basis. We hope it's not the actual um, norm for churches, but there are examples that appear every so often. Um, where a pastor has uh, um, been given too much authority and power um, without accountability um, to other leaders or to the congregation or to anybody else. So he's allowed to have, as I think uh, 
again, that, that famous saint Carl Truman said one time about how if you have too much influence without, about, without accountability, that's, that's not a good thing. And so I think that's, that's something that, that happens um, often in, in church life, we see, sad to say. Yeah, and I think it plays at different levels too. Like you have probably some pastors who exert authority in a way where it's like, I'm your spiritual advisor and I care for you. And they use that to their advantage to do something wrong, you Man, know, whatever. It's kind of a manip- to manipulate. But you also see it a lot in the news now and stuff from these bigger churches where <laughs> it's not necessarily maybe that way, but it's more of protecting the brand, protecting the church. Like, oh, we have such a good witness here. This could really bring us down. So let's downplay this. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't want this to get out. And so you see an authority being abused in that way. Uh, um, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. I mean, we've seen it with sexual abuse. We've seen it with money. We've seen people abuse money, mm-hmm. um, and do it that way. Uh, and so you definitely see it, uh, in different, in different areas. Uh, this is kind of a joking one, but Kenneth Copeland had a new one last week. Oh no. He's asking people to fund his plane again, but he's got a new reason. His new reason is covid if he has his own plane, he can get around all the mandates and actually still share the gospel and not put the mark of the beast on him. Uh, <laughs> but to me, I know we laugh about that. That is definitely an abuse of authority yeah. oh, for that sure. he has to be pulled. Yeah. Right. He shouldn't, <laughs> like, he shouldn't have to be able to ask for money even. I mean, he should be able just to get all the money he wants, which I, I don't know. Are we going to do that for our budget? Yeah, I put six percent. Okay, good, good, good. We're switching <laughs> all of our. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean a, just, that was a joke. That was yeah. a joke. <laughs> this abuse just comes in different, different forms, you know, and uh, yeah, accountability can be a big part. But sadly, like I think in the ones where they're protecting a brand, you see your accountability fail uh, as well. Um, I, we could think of examples. I don't know if you're wanting like specific examples where you say names, because I don't even know if the people listening would know who we're talking about sure. all the times, if that would be helpful. I don't, or not. I don't necessarily think it would be helpful, but I mean, I mean like your example of Kenneth Copeland, like, I mean, he's a health and wealth preacher primarily yeah, TV evangelist you know, guy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one area that is, I think pretty clear of like an abuse mm-hmm. of, I I hesitate to say pastoral authority on his part, but Mm -hmm. of pastoral authority where people look at him as an authority. And this is, is it's not just him. There's tons of TV preachers Mm -hmm. who, like I remember one of the guys who um, was discipling me when I first became a Christian, just a few years earlier, he had become a Christian and he didn't know. I mean, he was actually converted listening to a preacher on TV. And so, like, that was his kind of first exposure. And so he just listened to everybody on TV. And there was somebody that was selling holy water. Yeah. Yeah. And he bought it. And, like, by, and from the time where he bought it and he sowed his seed of faith and he bought it and it came, he had kind of learned and talked to some people that that was kind of a sham and it wasn't real. So when he got the water, he, he even told me he watered his plant with it and the plant died. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an example of like, you know, he was putting his trust in somebody that he thought was trustworthy because they were in a church. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a position people in churches are supposed to be caring and loving and he didn't know any better. And so he listened to that and that wasn't a person trying to abuse him sexually or physically or to shame them. They were just abusing their teaching authority to teach them things that were wrong 
for their own personal benefit. Um, I think there's a, a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, where Paul is talking about his authority. And he says, For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up, not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. You know, Paul talking about their his authority as an apostle just makes very clear that, yeah, I do have authority, but it is not for tearing you down. It is for building you up. And um, and it's it's to be used in a good way. But the 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 tricky thing that comes into this conversation when we're talking about progressive Christianity is what is building you up? Because the way that a person coming from the progressive side of things is looking at this is that telling me that I'm wrong on anything is is an example of tearing me down, not building me up. Um, which that kind of understanding contradicts our understanding of what a good pastor actually should be doing and using their authority to do. So a place that we could go is in the book of Titus when uh, when Paul is writing to Titus and giving some examples of what a, an elder, what a pastor is to be doing, what part of their role is. And so in Titus chapter 1, he says, uh, I'll start in verse 8, this going through these qualifications, but he says, but hospitable, not greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And then he says this in verse 9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. So Paul here lays out the fact that part of a pastor's job is to rebuke uh, bad teaching and to correct bad teaching. But the way that progressive Christianity takes this a little too far, and this is what Kruger means when he says they propose the wrong solution, is they propose the solution as you take all authority away from the pastor when it's actually, I mean, there in Titus, it's actually expected that the pastor would use their authority to, number one, teach sound doctrine, but also to correct false doctrine within the church. Um, that's a difficult balance to strike sometimes, especially in our society, I think, where it is largely encouraged, even in churches like ours, I think, that it's what you want to believe, and it's kind of wide open so long as you stay in this Reign of things, you know what I'm talking about, um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, how a pastor is supposed to use their authority to 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 build people up, mm. even when that building up means we sometimes have to address things that are being understood incorrectly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I think you've seen this progression though, just in church life of trying to take away authority from the pastor and what that means. You know, if you go back, I don't know, to the to the 70s, 60s, or whatever, your pastor probably had a lot more authority in your life. But then maybe towards the end of the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, you even saw pastors saying, I don't want to be called pastor anymore. You know, just just call me Tim. And, and the reason for that was uh, trying to disassociate with that authority that was given there. Um, and that leads to the snowball tumbling farther and farther to where you start to say there, oh, there really is, there really is no authority here. And so then there is no 
no such thing as like church membership anymore. We're just kind of here together, right? And and that leads, I think, to what you're what you're talking about. Uh, and but yeah, there's a there's a balance that has to be strike in some way uh, amongst churches to allow the pastor to have the authority that he's supposed to have, but also have the accountability set up to where there is open discussion so that it's not, you know, a, a dictatorship there. Mm. Um, and that's where it becomes important for uh, people to speak up who are given the opportunity to have, uh, to be the one holding somebody accountable. So whether it's a elder led church and there's a, a plurality of elders, then those elders need to speak up and speak their mind mm-hmm. and have it set up so that accountability can actually happen. And there's ramifications if it's not held. Right? Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was going to say not just the ability to speak up, but the, the ability to act right mm-hmm. within the church's authority structure to mm-hmm. actually do something. Mm-hmm. If the person who's in the, the pastor position like the lead idea position. Yeah. Uh, and this is where that celebrity culture has become so damaging in our culture because it doesn't even have to be a huge church. It could just be a church in a small town, but the church has a good name in the community maybe. But maybe the pastor now is doing this, whatever it might be. There's some sort of abuse taking place. And the boards or the committees or whoever it is who who kind of knows about this doesn't want to hamper what they would say is the gospel message going out. And they want to lift their pastor up not not and so there's this celebrity status put on the pastor as if it's because of him that our church is so great well that can be a problem too right christ is to be the head not this guy mm-hmm. not this pastor here um and so we have to be willing to say at times well we see all these results happening but we see this bad thing happening we still have to deal with the bad thing and trust God in everything else because this is the right thing to do here scripturally. This is the right thing to do. He needs to be removed or he needs to be talked to or we need to come out and confess that this happened and we need to call the police mm-hmm. and the police need to come in. And, yeah, it's going to be very embarrassing and it we could lower our numbers, like all this stuff. Yes, but it is the right thing to do. Yeah. Right? you got to have the integrity within the church. But sadly, I mean – there's sin in the church, you know, and so uh, there's people who hide it. There's people who don't. I mean, that's where it becomes very important of who you call to be your pastor. It's very important of how you are structured as a church and your membership and who gets to do what and how those people get put in place becomes very, very important. And that's where it's the boring stuff, I would say, of church life at time, the polity behind it, right? The how are we going to govern? Mm-hmm. It can be very boring. I get it. Mm-hmm. But it becomes very crucial when this kind of stuff comes up. Yeah, and um, you're you're exactly right. That's why choosing the right person, the congregation's choice of a right person to be that pastor, that's why when you see the qualifications for elders in the list, like, I mean, so you're going to preach on this starting next year in First Timothy, and when we get into Titus, if we're going into Titus, um, what you see primarily in the qualifications are qualifications of character not of talents or of abilities ability is part of it when it comes to teaching because that's the calling of a pastor but i mean like what just right before what i read there in titus in verse chapter 1 verse 7 it says for an overseer as god's steward must be above reproach he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain 
but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And um, that's that's why, is because a the role of pastor or overseer, it is a position of authority in a church, and uh, making sure that you have the right person in a position of authority is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a big thing, and again, a lot of times, you know, when you go on search teams or whatever for pastors, and which we have one going right now, mm-hmm. it's like you're watching highlight reels sometimes, and it's like, ah, that's not really what's most important. Mm-hmm. We need to know this person's character. We need to know who they are. You know, are they going to fit in here well? Are they going to be people, someone that we can trust? You know, is this someone you can trust to, you know, with your children, someone you can trust with with the people in the church who are hurting, you know, and um, that needs to be the questions, the main questions. When you find that person that you have, I think then you say, okay, then we have a, a good fit. You know, they might not be the best at this. They might not have the most social status, right, the most followers or whatever the case might be, but this is the kind of man that Scripture speaks about here, like you said, above reproach and all these different things. Uh, that has to become the most important thing when trying to find leadership beyond beyond ability and don't go wrong there needs to be some ability mm-hmm. there does need to be ability there uh, but the character side is of utmost importance mm-hmm. before that yeah and that's what makes searching for pastors and leaders difficult because it's not like some other job right and other jobs you know i need a graphic designer well i can look at your resume and see you worked here as a graphic designer i can look at your stuff right i can go and look at oh man you obviously know what you're doing this is good uh, I don't care what you do on the weekends. I mean, honestly, like as a as a boss, I, you could say that. I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you're divorced. I don't care about any of that. Can you do this task? Well, in a church, it's different. You know, we're not saying, can you fill this task? Can you preach? Well, the answer might be yes, but I actually care about what you do all the rest of your time, mm-hmm. you know, because God does. And so we have to be able to vet that person. And, yeah. Yeah. It's a big task. It's a difficult yeah. task, but... I mean, the biggest thing in the news probably right now that people would know about abuse, I would say, is um, the Ravi Zacharias thing. Mm-hmm. Probably is what people have heard if they keep tabs on church life news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And he wasn't really a pastor, uh, but he had a ministry, and it was mm-hmm. a big, famous ministry. And then come to find out, you know, he had been doing some bad things and some people had known about it, but mm-hmm. again, because of the ministry and the ex- the scope of it and the extent of it, it was like, well, there's so much good is happening. We can't bring this to light, but it just shows a lack of trust in God and the power of his word mm-hmm. and, and his plan and his sovereignty. Uh, and it, it, it's like that question, should I lie here? It's just a little white lie, but it's going to save lives. Should I lie? I know the Bible tells me not to lie. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember hearing that before. You know, a guy comes to your house with a gun and says, tell me the truth. Is your family here? If you say they're not here, I'm going to leave. But if you say they are here, I'm going to go in and kill them. What do you do if they're there? Right. What do you do? And I remember somebody asked that. I think it was John MacArthur, like at a Q&A. And he was like, you don't lie and you trust God. Because if God wants, he could drop that person dead before they enter. Mm. Like that was his response. And I remember thinking, wow, (laughs) that was a crazy response. But I mean, it. You don't sin is what he was kind of kind of getting at mm-hmm. there. I know that's a, like an ethical question that there's, yeah, there's much more to it. There's, there's much more to it in Christian yes, circles, about, right? There's much more like a situation. Yes, like that. there's much yeah. more to that. I, I know that, but uh, that's kind of to me a little bit of what's happening here. We know this guy sinned, 
we know he's our leader. Do we deal with it? And I think biblically you deal with it. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let the chips fall where they fall. Yeah. Because Ravi Zacharias Ministries isn't what's upholding the kingdom of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Menorah Missionary Baptist Church isn't what's upholding Mm -hmm. the kingdom of God. Right. (laughs) Why'd you laugh at that? <laughs> I hit the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> 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 a joke. So <laughs> working out the kinks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the Ravi Zacharias one is a great example because, I I mean, like, unfortunately, he he was specifically using his position right. of n- not authority within a church, but as a respected teacher that was a Christian to tell the people who he was abusing that if they go forward and they tell people about this, then they're going to, they're going to lead people away from Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just such a, that is such an abuse of power because you're subjugating somebody to something that is so terrible, putting all of it on them and not considering the fact you're the one who is sinning here, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's very terrible and it's understandable when stuff like that happens you know, for the world to look at that and say, why would I want to be part of that? And put myself in a situation where that can happen to me, Mm -hmm. you know? It's kind of understandable. I think one of the unfortunate things, too, is is that I hope that, at least in a church that believes the Scriptures, that um, most of our, you know, 99% of our pastors that you see are not celebrities like Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they don't, even if they wanted to, they couldn't because they don't, you know, as far as being abusive, because they're just pastoring in small villages or small towns. So I think one of the things that struck me too about, it strikes you about when Ravi Zacharias would do that to people is, and this is what happens with people who have abuse authority too like that, is, there, there's such a, an arrogance as if the souls of people depend on me. Mm. They don't. And you're, and that's one of the things I think um, churches can go either way. And this has probably been a problem for people from, for Christianity from the very beginning. On the one hand, we, we uh, like this, we say no authority. On the other hand, we elevate people to um, semi-divine status. Mm where they, they do control every aspect. And we willingly give that to them mm-hmm. in select, like even whether that be religious culture or whatever kind of culture that mm-hmm. is. The reality is, is pastors, like everybody else, have only delegated authority from God. God is the only one with supreme, full authority, unhindered authority. All of ours is limited and delegated. And so... And that applies to, to husbands and wives, that applies to parents and children, that applies to pastors with the, the flock of God. Um, our, our authority is very limited. And so um, I think whenever we, we, we can do one or the other, and, and, and also to remind ourselves as pastors, is we're disposable um, as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, God doesn't need any of us. And so... Um, Creating a culture, though, within your church that's uh, grateful. You're about, to, you're about to preach from Ephesians that pastors are part of the gifts that God gives to his church. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, is we're, it's actually the office that's given. Um, mm, it's yeah. a privilege yeah. to get to serve in the office, uh-huh. but the individuals 
are all disposable. God doesn't need them. Mm-hmm. And so I think creating a humility and, and putting the focus back on God and away from, because what we realize, like with that Ravi Zacharias thing or any of these other major celebrity pastors or whatever, is we start to find our identity in them. And we, we say, I follow those guys, I follow those guys, I follow those guys, and we all fall into that trap. And the reality mm-hmm. is, is the scriptures are saying, no, just follow Christ and follow those people insofar as they follow yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um, he's, he's the king. Uh, one last thing, too, um, talking about the, the first part of this, though, about peacemaking is more important than power. Just looking at the wording, again, of that, and I don't know how they would put it, the opposite of peacemaking is not power. It's conflict mm-hmm. and in, enmity and hatred and warring. Um, and the only way that you can really establish peace, at least in a international conflict is with people who have the authority to make that peace. Mm-hmm. And even at an individual level, um, that's kind of true there. Um, so I just think also uh, trying to reestablish the fact that delegated authority can help make peace and they are compatible. Um, just as delegated authority can be abused and it's in good, wrong ways. But that's a good word. Yeah. Something I think needs to be brought up. I know Spencer said 99% of pastors aren't celebrities. I would agree to that in the if and how we're defining celebrity, if you mean like nationally known, whatever. But one of the things that I have seen is pastors who are beloved in a church um, can become a sort of celebrity within that church. And that a lot of times is where the bad stuff then can happen. Mm, sure. And we have to be careful of that as pastors number one because if god blesses us with a ministry that is going good and like the there is a unity within the church and there is a love within the church then a lot of times naturally the church starts to really love you as the pastor right and treats you well and cares about you and then the sin in that pastor's heart can lead to where you take advantage of that where you take advantage of that stuff uh, and it can become kind of haywire and this is why you see at times like uh pastor's not here today attendance is half Mm. and it's like man you're raising him up to be something he's not Mm. when we gather here like at Menorah, we don't gather here to hear tim we gather here to hear hear from god's word and Mm -hmm. so whether tim or spencer or scott is preaching or somebody else if we bring somebody else in it's just as important to be there that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was always fascinating to me. Like when, when Roy was here, Roy's going to be gone. Tim is preaching. Where is everybody? Right. But now it's different. Now Tim is the pastor. Tim is gone. Where is everybody? Well, what changed the title? The title changed. I went from uh, whatever I was discipleship pastor to lead pastor that, that's all that changed but all of a sudden it was like there's a difference Pre- preach the same then as i do now and so you become this little celebrity mm-hmm. thing um and i don't know necessarily how to combat that other than to say don't feed into that the best you can i think i actually i do think i know how to combat it a little bit but get well later, there's but. the thing that you can only control what you can control. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. I think no matter what kind of structure a church sets up, people are going to be prone to do that. Yeah. But I think the the difference that can be made is 
what kind of structures are in place yeah. to where you don't actually have the kind of authority people think you have a lot of times. Yeah. You know, and to your credit, I think that you do that really well. You constantly ask other people what their opinion are. Mm-hmm. You try not to just run off on your own. You don't really steamroll people. At least you haven't steamrolled me. Things like that, you know. So I think I think people will just naturally do that as a byproduct of the culture that they've been raised yeah. in. And it's this is kind of a funny story, but you know, the former pastor here, Roy, is my father-in-law, and so back a long time ago, uh, you know, we went through some things as a church and got through it or whatever. And all of a sudden the church started clapping for him all the time. Like he would make a statement in his sermon and everybody would like start clapping. And so one day before lunch, when he came home from church, he walked in the door and we all started, <laughs> <laughs> we all started clapping. He's just looking at us and we're like, why are they clapping at you all the time? See, it's that's, getting really old. That's what a pastor needs. They need <laughs> yeah. a family to keep them humble. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't him looking for it. You know, yeah. it wasn't him like saying it was, I don't know what it was, and it, but it was so annoying to us as a family. We're like, yeah. stop clapping. He said, Jesus is good. Yeah, we know that. Like, he said all the time. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't have to right. clap. Yeah. Do you think Roy would come on this podcast at some point if we asked him? Yeah. That'd be fun. We'd probably have to talk about dogs, though. That's what he's pretty much just into right now. His dogs, you know, that are so important to him. That'd be funny. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I experienced that. I've often thought many times, like, I go to church, and I seem to have some authority. Like, I talk to people, and they ask my opinion. I go home, it's the complete opposite. (laughs) I'm like, I have no authority here. (laughs) I don't know if anybody hears what I say. I don't think it matters what I say. They look at me like I'm an idiot all the time. It's like, I should just live at church, Mm -hmm. maybe. Maybe you should put up the zip line. That would help. Yeah. The other thing about what you said, Tim, about, you know, what Spencer said is true that, you know, 99% of pastors are not this celebrity. Unfortunately, though, the people who are subject to the abuse that often happens in churches are not adults. Right. A lot of, I mean, especially when you're talking about sexual abuse, it's it's happening to children. Mm -hmm. And so to the, to a child, that is raised in even a very small church, that pastor has a place of a lot of authority in that child's life. And even in a small church to an unknown pastor, he has authority over this group of people and can seek to abuse that. And that happens, I think, a lot more than what people realize it does. Mm-hmm. That's what's been coming out so and has been so scandalous over the last several years is that those stories have been coming out more and more and more and so this just i just want to say that to clarify like you did this isn't just a problem when it comes to celebrity pastors no yeah you know when when anybody's given a position of authority Mm -hmm. um and it's hard because i mean church life exists on trust a lot of it does it's on trust it's you tell me you're a christian you know what i mean you tell me you love the lord and so, like a church our size, when it comes to our children, we hire, or we don't hire, we we take volunteers, and we do our best to vet them with a background check. We don't just take somebody new and throw them in with the kids. It's people we've known for a while. Uh, and so we do everything we can. We put windows in all the doors. You know, we have rules put in place to deal with the kids. Um, but a lot of it still is trust-based. Like, you're going to to be who you say you are as a Christian and you're going to love these kids well and you're not going to take advantage of it. Uh, so we put all that stuff in place. Hopefully then from there, if something does happen, then you have the integrity to say, we're going to the next level. we mm-hmm. got to deal with it, yeah. even though how bad it 
bad it might look. And that's something that we, I would hope here do, Mm -hmm. you know, if that, if that ever, if that ever came up, but a lot of it is built on trust. And that's why, you know, in the security world, they say churches are a soft target. We welcome everybody in. Mm. We want you to come in to worship. We want to be able to share the We're gospel with you. Desperate for volunteers. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and so and and we also want to be people of grace. And so someone comes in who's messed up before. You don't want to just be like, no, you're out. You can't come in here. You, know, you want to be people of grace. You want to give people sometimes the benefit of the doubt. You want to give them more chances. And sometimes that leads to problems. And mm-hmm. so it's a hard. It really is a hard balance at times. Yeah. Something you said earlier, Spencer, that I kind of wanted to follow up on was that we as pastors, we do not have, uh, I forgot how you said it, like people's souls are not dependent on us, I think is what you said. That made me think of a verse in Hebrews chapter 13 that actually does reference pastors and people's souls. And I just think that this is a relevant passage to talk about because it does speak to the authority that pastors have in their congregation's lives. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It's it's just an encouragement. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So I understand the author of Hebrews' reference to leaders as to the, the pastors, the overseers that are over them. And he says, Obey them, submit to them, specifically because their charge over you is to watch over your souls. So, I don't know. I mean, if we want to talk through that verse or like how that plays out, I mean, I don't know about you guys. This verse, I feel like, puts a lot more pressure on me as a pastor than it does on those that's, you know, encouraging to obey because it it's weighty to me, the idea that my role as a pastor is to watch over people's souls. You know, obviously, like you said, Spencer, I can't control what happens to people's souls. And at the end of the day, it's ultimately not on me. But there is a a responsibility placed on us here that when I consider it is very weighty. I I know a big thing that changed for me in ministry is when I stopped preaching angry and started preaching lovingly and trying to approach people in that way. Uh, Because sometimes it's like, I know what's right. And you you dummies need to get this. And it's frustrating that you don't. Things would be better if you just understood this, you know, and just railing on people where maybe what you're preaching is correct, right, theologically and hermeneutically and all that. But you're not correct in how you're going about that. And and so when you start as a pastor loving your congregation and you're preaching to them out of love, you're preaching out of them for care of their souls, like this needs to be right because it's what is best for you. Right to love the Lord is what is best for you. Mm. To serve Him, to lay your life down for Him, is actually what is mm. best for you. Um, I think that's when you're honoring that passage the best, because that really is how you're approaching it. You're crying out not out of anger, like God correct these people, these stubborn people. Instead, you're you're often praying, correct me, please, and help me to preach today or to teach or to lead out of love and care. For these people that you have put here together who've called me to be their pastor so to me that was a, a big moment i think in my life when i when i realized that when i when i was like i think i'm preaching more out of anger or to be right or something instead of lovingly uh, that was just a big moment for me i remember as a, a pastor and I, that's what comes to my mind when i hear 
that passage mm. um, to know if I'm really caring for their souls or am I caring for something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that, that's that's convicting and uh, and good. And I think yeah, we've got to. <clears throat> I think the 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 danger comes also on the one hand when we don't take that responsibility seriously, but on the other hand, then whenever um we think that the lord couldn't do it without us mm-hmm. and that's the other side of the coin but it's the same thing right we are responsible to do um to care for people but then on the other hand whenever our egos get so big that we think we're the only one who could do it um that's the other side of the problem too and honestly that's one of the reasons why i'm like here with a church our size i remember when they first called me to be pastor one of the biggest things i kept saying is we can't do ministry how we're doing it we need more people involved and it might sound like you're trying to get rid of some of the burden like i'm trying to get rid of some of the burden no that's not actually it that comes from a love of the congregation knowing i tim cannot meet the needs of everybody here i can preach to everybody if they come (laughs) they will hear the preaching i can do that part I can't visit everybody at home. I can't visit everybody in the hospital. I can't make calls to everybody. I can't be at everything. I'm just one person. I can't do that. And even as we have more staff, we realize we can't do that. So really, out of a compassion and love for the congregation, there is a an appeal to the congregation to love each other, which we're going to get to in Ephesians, right? Minister to mm-hmm. each other. This is actually what is best for you if you don't need me all the time because mm-hmm. I can't be what you want me to be, mm-hmm. right? And I have to understand that. I have to realize that. And that's not a passing the baton on. It's honestly a, I, this is what is best for all of us together, is if we can do this together. Um, and that's why Paul talks about unity being so, like where we are in Ephesians right now. Unity is so important and loving each other is so important, caring for each other. Uh, that's how the church stays together and does the work of Christ. Uh, so it, it has to come from compassion and love. And that's what your pastor needs to lead from Mm -hmm. anytime you see authority i i think this is right to say correct me if i'm wrong but anytime you see a position of authority being given to someone in scripture it is for the explicit purpose to serve someone else and for someone else's benefit not the benefit of the person being given the authority Mm -hmm. that's true for pastors that's true for husbands and wives Mm -hmm. that's very explicit Um, deacons yeah deacons I mean, even in the Old Testament, with the kings, yeah. with the judges, yeah. with all these, yeah. that's what and, it was for. And the warning that was always given, or that was given to mm-hmm. Israel when they wanted a king is, you're going to give this king a lot of power, this is going to be the charge, but recognize this, they are going to abuse it. Yeah, this they're going to take happen. your kids and make them do this. They're going to yeah. take your fields and do this, yeah. know this. And so it's just, the church is supposed to be a light in our world of what a radical difference. I mean, this is even what Jesus says in Matthew 20, 25 through 26, when he's talking to his disciples, telling them they're wanting to know who will have the authority, who will have the power, who's the greatest among them. And he says, that's how Gentiles think. That's not how you're to think. The The greatest among you will be the least. And uh, that's just the way that Christians are supposed to think about authority and power, is that positions of authority are given not to rule, but to serve in that way so So, that's good amen 
All right. Well, um, thanks for the discussion, guys. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed it, and we hope to uh, continue with our next point next week and as we <clears throat> progress through this uh, <laughs> through this series on progressive Christianity. Join us next week. Take care. <laughs>